I'm extremely passionate. And if I don't always keep pushing myself with projects and ideas, I get bored. Right. So like, I, I'm not the type of person that you're going to see sitting on the, on the bench, like doing nothing. That's I can do that for about 30 seconds and then I literally will go crazy. So in my mind, I've always have like multiple layers of like pro like projects going on. And this, I think this is why I've been so efficient that with the, the ITG like conference planning is because like I have this ability to really like multi-layer everything at once, which sometimes can be exhausting for people around me. <laughs> they say like, well, when is JC ever going to stop? Right. This episode contains adult language and adult humor. Since when have trumpet players ever been considered adults? If you are easily offended by these types of conversations, consider switching to the oboe. Welcome to the Trumpet Gurus Hang Podcast. I'm your host, Jose Johnson. My guest for this episode is J.C. Dubjerleski. J.C., well, he's a man of action. As a soloist and a founding member of the Grammy-nominated Trumba Monday Trumpet Ensemble, J.C. regularly showcases his amazing skills as a classical trumpet player. J.C. flexes his teaching chops as the trumpet professor at the Westchester University School of Music, and as a conference director for the International Trumpet Guild, J.C. uses his organizational skills as a force for good for the trumpet world. So, pour yourself a big glass, pull up a chair, and let the hang begin! Welcome to another exciting episode of the Trumpet Gurus Hang. I am joined by J.C. Dobjeleski. Uh, J.C., I'm going to just keep calling you J.C. because, yeah, you know, I'm having a hard time with your name anyway, as it is. So um, it is a pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, we've known each other for a number of years, uh, but uh, it's nice to kind of have this this kind of a ca casual conversation. Well, th thank you for having me, having me on your podcast, and the pleasure is all mine, Jose. Oh, man, it's always, always fun. Uh, I think I first met you uh, back in the early days of the Westchester Trumpet uh, Symposium or conference. I forget what it was called. Festival. Yeah, that's correct. I think like the I think it was the first year we did the Trumpet Fest, which would have been, I think, 2007 here. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, man. That And, and that's it was really cool for me because, uh, you know, I, I don't live that far from Westchester. So it, it was like an hour ish drive for me to, to get out there and, and, uh, you know, being able to bring in some of the talent that you, that you brought in and, uh, you're, you're responsible actually for me, uh, meeting Joey, Joey Tartell, which, uh, I think that was the, that was the end of life as we know it when, when I met Joey. <laughs> that I can imagine. Yes. <laughs> But but there was there's some really great stuff going on there, and and I had no idea that that Westchester had such an amazing music program going on. So uh, I mean, how long have you been at Westchester? So I came here in that was fall of 2006. That was my first year. That was right after Ken Laudermilk retired, after a long long time of being here here, and uh, I was here. So my first year it was a full time temporary position when I came in. And then they did a national search after that again. And then I started officially in 2007 as like the position has been. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's a wonderful uh, place to be. It's a great program. And the fact that we're located in like this tri-state area and being so close to like Philadelphia, New York and uh, DC, it really gives uh, not only the, like a strong recruiting pool, but also the ability for our students to be exposed to some like incredible players outside the, the institution. So uh, I love it. 
and haven't looked back. Uh, try to like even looking at our jobs. This place has just been like the place to be, and like I love being here. Yeah. Yeah, it, I was really, like I said, I was really surprised when I got out there. I mean, first of all, I, I never even heard of Westchester University, but uh, I, I did know where the where the uh, the brewery was, where Iron Hill was. So I def definitely was hip to that. But um, yeah, it, it's just it, I, that's what I love about living in this area uh, is the proximity to everything, and uh, you know, without having the uh, all of the the problems that come with living in a major metropolitan area, uh, it's it's just kind of got a got a nice vibe to it. So, like with with your recruiting process, um, I mean, do do you see uh, a large uh, influx from from out of state or from uh, from outside of of the, the geographical area that you're in? Well, we, I mean, I think we have a pre balanced uh, recruiting like class almost every year i mean like pa new jersey and maryland delaware i mean like those are kind of like the main main states we do get some students from new york uh and maryland as well but i think like the primary like number of students would be pennsylvania and new jersey i would say those yeah. kind of were like most of them and if we i mean we usually have an incoming class of 10 10 to 14 students every year so it's uh it's a it's a good healthy uh program and right i mean right now we have what 30 32 33 trumpet majors so it's a it's a big program so yeah yeah that's nice that's very nice i did is is uh this kind of position you know this higher ed position is this something that that you had always aspired to or or does you kind of just kind of uh naturally evolve into it well i mean when i started when i was younger it's like i was kind of like everybody i wanted to be a soloist right i wanted to play everywhere toward the world and uh as you grow through like the through the career and you start experiencing performing in all the settings that we've have done it's like you kind of realize that sharing the, the experience and the knowledge become part of what you want to do as well so teaching yeah so when I, I came to the us and i started doing like my grad school and I, once i got to my doctorate the experiencing what college in the us was and seeing all the great things going on and like having studied with dave Fickman and seeing what really like cool like uh passionate education was really pushed me to want to try to experience that that as well and get a position and it gives the freedom to be able to do everything we want i mean we, we teach yes primarily but like the flexibility of the positions allow us to travel perform uh record i mean do pretty much anything we want so it's really a very uh healthy uh, career like path for like i mean for a lot of us mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, like, with, when you're thinking about uh, the educational side of things, um, yeah, some people are inspired more by the great teachers they've had. Uh, some people are inspired to be uh, teachers by the horrible teachers that they've had, <laughs> trying to make a, you know not have anybody else have to go through the the crap they had to go through. So, um, you know, you were just saying, you know, you, your positive experience in grad school. Uh, definitely shaped you and, and put you down that path. But are there any other influences or any, you know, people or experiences that you could point to and say, yeah, this this really kind of helped me to create my perspective of what it is what it means to be a trumpet educator? Well, I I go by the mindset that there's no uh, there's no bad uh, experience in life, right? Every experience is a lesson. And Every educator that's trying to uh, 
to share some knowledge uh, brings something of value to almost every student. Now, it, are we ready to hear the, like the, the information that's shared? That's a different thing. There are certain things maybe that sometimes some people try to get into and they don't have enough information to share that, inf like that knowledge and maybe they should hold, hold back a little bit. But I think from a student standpoint, being exposed to as much as we can from different um, teachers' experiences, part of the world, is a, it's a key factor to what we learn. And for me, it's like I was lucky since I was a kid. Like my dad was a conductor, like, so like I was always exposed to like incredible musicians. I mean, I've Maurice Andre and people like that play with his orchestra. So like those are the people who like put trumpets in my hand. So I've I've experienced those those great like teachers all the way across from like when I was growing up, and I I think a lot of the issues that have happened in my early years in my career were probably more because I wasn't uh, ready for some of the information that was shared with me. And or I approached it or understood it in a manner that wasn't helpful to me. So I think like I looked at everything that was ever shared, all the books that were used, all the like the, the fundamentals that we approached, and like I'm still going back to some of those exercises from right from the beginning and apply that on my own teaching, but I, I'm thinking about it differently than what when it was back then. Now there are some like things that are being shared once in a while that just like kind of make you right like raise your eyebrows, but uh, I think that's part of like what we do. I look at my first year at Westchester, some of the information I was sharing that first year, like the inexperienced teacher, right? And uh, I look back and I was like, well, <laughs> maybe that wasn't the smartest way to say certain things. And we, the, we better ourselves with the years and the experience and we find better ways to share our knowledge. Yeah. Well, and you're, you're absolutely right in that, that, um, you know, as you go through the process of, of improving your skills as a teacher, uh, you, you can look back and go, well, you know, hindsight, yeah, that maybe wasn't the best way or, you know, that wasn't the most effective way and now I have a deeper understanding. And I think sometimes it's, it's difficult because uh, there's kind of this, uh, especially for like the student, because there's always in the student like, okay, they're, they're the teacher, so they should know everything. And even some teachers feel like they should know everything. But we're all learning. We're all through different, going through different stages in our personal development, our, our levels of understanding. So, um, yeah, it's just that being able to take take the information and the good stuff. Well, it's all good stuff. But but the the stuff that 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 you know works, you keep working it. But then you also have to look at how can you tweak that information to make it a little bit more accessible to the to the people that you're working with. So, like we, when you're looking at uh, your your career now as you know the the tenure that you 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 have in that position the amount of time you spent in that position um i mean what what do you think has like been uh the most uh i don't know how do i how do i look at this uh what do, what do you think has changed the most about your approach to teaching as you've gotten more years under your belt and have more students that that you've worked with i think being more open to understand where a student is coming from, try to have, relate more to the exp life experiences the students have. I came, I mean, I, I started teaching, I came here gun ho I was like, well, uh, I came to the conservatory, like strong performing experience, right? Everybody's great, everybody's strong, everybody's coming with all this information, disability. And I started right at, when I came at Westchester with the same kind of power, energy, without thinking 
if the student's background made them ready for that. And I think at times I may, I may have come a little too strong uh, and there. And over the years, you're, you learn uh, to understand people, work with people's lives, experiences, where they're coming from, what they've gone through, uh, compassion. That becomes a big part of what we do. And I think one of the things that have helped me over the last five years, mainly when I look back, is uh, I did for a few years, I was the assistant dean for student affairs. Uh, here at Westchester, and I did that was for four years. I did that position, and I stopped this past year. And through that position, I got to interact with students—not just trumpet students, but like every student in the School of Music—and it really gave me a different perspective of what students' life were and how different they were from my background and my experiences. So my expectations were very different, and I think I've also allowed myself to be uh, more open and try to mold the teaching more on uh, where the student is and not where the student should be, right? It's like we're, we all expect, oh, you're coming to college, you need to know all this. And the reality nowadays is a lot of those students don't have that experience anymore because either like where they're coming from is a very small band program or the, the, the educators they've had haven't had all the, the ability yet to be able to really create this program where it's sharing all the information they should or some of them have never had lessons prior to coming to like to our institution. So we're really having a total different layer of abilities that we have to address. So we can't just have one uh, one program fits all. We really have to adapt to every single person and learn how to work with people's like personalities. Yeah. Well, that that is a sign of maturity and growth. So I congratulate you on that because you know there, there are a lot of people that that are just kind of stuck in in the pedagogical trough that they, they've been in for for their entire career and, and not thinking about the fact that uh, as teachers what regardless of what you're teaching um, teachers actually are servants you know we're, we're there for the students and to provide them uh, the best opportunity for their growth and uh, there does have to be a level of, of understanding and and meeting people where they are so I'm I'm with you 100% on that, 100%. So as a uh, as a performer, <clears throat> excuse me, you've got so much going on. I mean, you you have uh, your your solo stuff that you do. Uh, you have the uh, the uh, ensemble work that you do and, and record uh, with uh, Tromba. Um, so I mean, how do, how do you feel? Like, wh where do you feel you are in your your progression as uh, JC, the, the trumpet performer? Ooh, <laughs> I think I see that as like a never-ending path uh, of progress. I looked at everything I've done. I've been lucky in my life to be able to really have a lot of various experiences in that all across performing. And I'm extremely passionate. And if I don't always keep pushing myself with projects and ideas, I get bored. Right. So like I, I'm not the type of person that you're going to see sitting on the on a bench, like doing nothing. That's I can do that for about 30 seconds and then I literally will go crazy. So in my mind, I've always have like multiple layers of like pro, like projects going on. And this I think this is why I've been so efficient that with the, the ITG the conference planning is because like I have this ability to really like multi-layer everything at once which sometimes can be exhausting for people around me. <laughs> they say like, well, when is JC ever going to stop, right? So, but it's, 
in my life, I want, I've wanted to solo with orchestra, with I've done, and we, which I will always enjoy to do. That's something that I will never want to stop. The solo recitals, both uh, around the world, like piano and different settings, that's always fun to do. Chamber music to me right now is probably one of the most rewarding, I think, chamber music ensemble I've had since we started uh, Trombamundi in 2008, not just because of the performing, but because of the friendship we created. And to me, I think those are some of my best friends now. Like when we think about when we started 2008, we barely knew each other. And I mean, I will always remember Joey showing up in shorts with his pink shoes. And uh, right, so that, that was my first experience. And looked at that and it's like, uh, I think there's so many uh, takeaway from those experiences, learning like things I've, I've got out of playing with that, trom that trumpet like ensemble. To me, I think that has helped me shape my like, path as well. Uh, what I'm looking in the future, uh, I'm open always to new ideas. You see, it's like I think like I'm not, I don't have anything specific that I think I want to achieve right now playing. I'm allowing the my past to like drive me to where it is, right? It's like last summer, for example, I was in Canary Islands for a music festival and I, I met one of like the principal from the, the like Royal Opera in, uh, in Madrid and we were talking and then he invited me to go play with the Madrid Opera there for a month. Which I did back in the fall, which like things like this, I had never, I never thought in my life I would be able to play on a pit like an orchestra for the opera, for a whole like full, whole series like this. I never thought that would even cross my like my path. But the experience I've had led me to make that happen and being open to it, and it's an experience I will never forget, right? So like I'm, I'm kind of letting life take me on the path, and like when things happen and come in front of me, I just jump in arms open and see what, where that's going to take me. I mean, yeah. uh, I think I would like to see more uh, performing in the Latin music. I love salsa. So I think I could see myself start really digging a little bit more. Uh, have a project coming up for next fall uh, because I'm going to take a sabbatical here at the university for the semester. And I'm going to Spain to, to do some research on flamenco music to make arrangements for trumpet in various like ensembles and try to bring that music in a, on a more performing setting for us to be able to do for recital like purposes. So kind of, again, Latin flavor. And that's, that's kind of where I am right now in my life is like, I, real, I really like this exciting, fresh like rhythms and things that I want to be able to incorporate in my playing. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's very cool. I mean, I, the, the study of, of uh, the flamenco that, that, I'd be really interested in uh, in learning more about that, you know. So uh, even those, uh, you know, the Latin music is my roots, uh, part of my roots. Um, I just don't, I really don't know that much about it. And I just, I the more I play it and get exposed to it, the more fascinated I am by the rhythmic concepts and and things like that. And I mean, there's there's nothing to get you moving like good Latin music. So uh, I would agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'll be looking forward to that. So when you, um, when you're looking at, uh, like for, like with Tromba or, or, or some of the, the other things that where, where you have, uh, creative input, um, what is it that you're trying to bring to the table, you know, in, in terms of, uh, your, your musicality, your taste, your, your, uh, passions? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think it was like in the chamber music, all the projects I've done have been, they've all started based on building relationships and friendships. 
right? It's like I think we're like everybody that in all the groups we've played have been at an extremely high level of performing ability, and they've all everybody has their own uh, kind of niche in things that we, like they do. And I think that's the exciting thing with Stromba Mundi is like we all have our specialty kind of as a player, but once we come in, we have the ability to melt uh, our sounds into one, no matter how different our backgrounds are. Right from like lead to jazz to like orchestra to like I mean international. I mean you you are bringing a set of six different people, and once we're on stage, it doesn't feel like that. So I think like the the openness and the welcoming factor of allowing everybody's natural abilities and natural like experiences to come in into the playing without uh, judging or putting anybody down. I mean. I mean, we are incredibly, incredibly sarcastic. Yes, I think if anybody sat in our rehearsals, I don't. A lot of people outside the group probably could not handle the, the amount of um, uh, things going on. I would say I'll put it that way, right? Or things being said to each other. But uh, we've got to this point where we we understand each other, we know each other, we know what is being said, and everything is being said with a total professional respect on each other other's ability. And I think that's to be has been something very. Uh, rewarding but we all know our strength and we all know our weaknesses so when we make our arrangements for our ensembles it's written specifically with that in mind so the same thing with the other any other chamber chamber music programs or ensembles i've done is like the selection of the repertoire we've done have been specifically to to showcase the people involved in those in, in things like uh, there's a recording that should be coming out hopefully in the spring that i've done a year ago on the trio music for uh, trumpet and strings, like by Uwezen, right? So like we did the trumpet, violin, uh, piano, trumpet, cello, and piano, and then I did the Morales uh, Passion Dance with violin too. So like trying to find those like instrumentation that bring different colors, right? Being able to like dig deep and try to find how can I make my sound work with those uh, instruments that we don't usually play as a, in a solo like environment and try to experience things, just push, push the limits into what we want to do and can do. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's such a great thing to, to be able to do is, is to be surrounded by uh, such high caliber uh, performers uh, and to be able to work with each other in a way that, that is very comfortable, but also is, is challenging, you know, for your, for yourself, you know, because the, you, when you get to a point, uh, you, you definitely need somebody to kick your butt. You know, it, it's it's so easy to, to kind of get the top dog uh, head, you know, mindset. Uh, you know, it's like, well, you know, I'm 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 the prof, or I'm this, or I'm that, and and uh, it's when you get in those situations where where you're on this kind of more level playing field, then that's that's where you, your growth comes in. And, and I can definitely tell that you're you're one of those people that, like you said, you don't like to sit still, and and part of that is that you like to grow and continue to learn and and develop as a as a player and as a person so yeah that that's so crucial um but like when you're talking about like administrative things you know you you're actually you know as a professor and then as an assistant dean you had the a lot of the administrative stuff and you kind of touched on uh your work with itg so let's talk about that a little bit i mean uh your your position your official position is uh what there was, was itg yes was itg's conference director Okay. Yes. I've started, 
I started the first conference for ITG I, I held was in 2014 here in Valley Forge, and that that was under the old format when ITG provided the uh, the branding and the local host would run the the event. Then 2015, they had hired some some person that came in like planned the conference in Ohio. Then I came in 2016 for the California conference back in the full time position that uh, now ran by ITG itself and the, uh, the position being in-house instead of being external. And I've been doing it since then. So like, basically it's anything that has to do is like planning the conference from like finding the sites, uh, dealing with log log logistics, like on-site, off-sites, like volunteer, finding the volunteers, like getting, getting, putting everything together in one piece and bring it, uh, bring it to life. Let's put it that way. So like, it's basically, I'm, I'm the behind the scenes and it was a huge group of people working with me that are uh, some of my close friends, some people I can trust that I know is going to work well. It's a huge amount of work because we usually work on like one or two, sometimes 2.5 conferences at the same time, depending on the planning that we have. And during the year, it's heavy. I mean, it's a lot, lot of heavy things. And the one, by the time the conference starts, it kind of just rolls. <laughs> So like, it's just kind of, if you watch it happen, you just kind of like deal with a couple of like small fires that you have to like deal with at that point. But by the time we get to the event between the board of directors that's there, all the volunteers that we have, the staff, everything, everything is in place. It's, it's fine, but it's, I'm the behind the scene person. Like you were in, once we're there, you're never going to see me in the front, front of the house or something like this, because it's not my place. I want to make sure everybody gets their time and it makes me happy. It makes me excited. It really like fulfill my life to be able to see people smiles when they go there and they be able they can share experiences with some of their heroes, right? So that you come there and you see some of the people you never thought you could even experience to act in in real and be able to talk to you or have a drink with or like just being able to share that with the trumpet world to me has been one of the most exciting things. And it's probably why I'm still doing it right now. Because like I mean, the energy it takes is huge. But if there wasn't the personal fulfillment as working towards it i don't think i would be able to keep going with it but it's been it's been fun and i think there's a lot of growth there's a lot of change happening some great improvements are made for the organization and uh, i can see a really exciting next few years here as we came back from the the pandemic so i mean it's just it's just fun yeah yeah well i i have to tell you that that um that Valley Forge ITG, that is actually kind of where the seed got planted for this podcast. That's where where it all started to to really formulate in my head. And it just took me a few years to to finally, you know, get my crap together enough to be able to do this. But yeah, it is the hang. It it is the being able to, whether it's at the bar or at the restaurant or at the booths or just in the lobby, you know, between sessions, being able to be there with uh your your heroes. Uh, the the people that that you've admired, uh, the the people that you've respected, uh, and just to be able to, in some cases, your old friends, just to catch up and and to you know spend a few days just completely geeking out about trumpet, and that, that that's something that's really really special, and and I certainly have missed being able to do that the past few years uh, in person. So, you know, speaking of which, the uh, obviously COVID kind of threw a wrench in so many different things. And, and uh, you guys did do the virtual conference uh, and are now back to doing the, the in-person things. Um, 
And what what are some of the things that that you, uh, from your perspective, have seen as uh, kind of crucial in, in the the steps you're going to go uh, moving forward? Uh, what are some of the things that that you're going to try and bring? That you want to bring to the mix, and then also, what are some of the things that maybe the virtual world has, uh, you know, made you rethink the the way that a conference can and should be run? Yeah. So, as much as we know how difficult the pandemic was, I think it has allowed for some very fast changes in the in our business, understanding certain things, the knowledge of technology, uh, how to incorporate both both sides into what we do and to me one of the important thing is like the research like the mindfulness like research like that hard time has brought to us right it's like it, it makes us think about different differently what our needs are outside just playing and what the all the factors the circles what i like to like use are like the circles of life right we like the profession the family like health we like all the things that work work together and like i think that's during that downtime, it will really allow us to kind of revisit everything. Because I think as musicians, we're so busy traveling, we're so busy doing things that sometimes we forget the ties between uh, everything. So it's it's been good. I think the to me, it's like a lot of people, like the, the understanding of technology at that such high level, I did not have you like back then when like when we got hit. So it was there was a learning curve. What can we do? What can we offer? What kind of software? exists uh to be able to do that right and how to how do we do that if we try to do a hybrid event in order to be able to do virtual and uh in person at the same time which allows a whole new door for internet internet in order to be able to open the, for the people who can't afford or who can't come to the conference because they're too far away so i think it is open these whole new things i mean i teach is being really trying so hard for like so many years to really open the doors with like international things. Hosting the conference itself abroad is a very difficult task for many like logistical reasons, for custom reasons, for financial reasons. Uh, and they've done it for a long time when it was under the, the older format with like, with a local host willing to take the planning on because they know the, they know the country and know different things. So we've been searching for a while now, trying to find a place and where to do it, how to do it. But uh, meanwhile, as we were like kind of stabilizing things in this country and trying to like bring the international to the US to allow to like things to open up, that, that kind of was the first step. I think we really had to really broad, like broad, make it broader. The virtual allowed us to really hit the world with like the participation. Like we had almost every continent represented in that virtual conference. I think there was only a few countries that we could not find anybody. Uh, uh, I think probably like one of Africa was one where we've had a very hard time finding people that we wanted. And we, we try hard trying to look around and see who we could bring for artists to try to like rely on everything. We pretty much had every Latin American country represented, right? So we really like, that's what, that was our main goal with the virtual. It's like, if we're going to do it, we're going to go, all out, which we did, which was uh, exhausting <laughs> because we didn't have the manpower or the knowledge, for the technical knowledge of how to do it. So we, we were learning as we we're going and we tried to do things, putting videos, adding branding. So like, I mean, it's really uh, 
the energy from the people that were involved was incredible. And I think if it wasn't for the people that worked with me, I don't think we could have done it. I mean, at one point, I think I had like seven laptops on my table running at the same time, like uploading videos and things like this, just in order to like be able to make it happen. And that was great. But I think what this is, uh, has brought to us for the future is really the need and the understanding that live conferences are important, yes, but it's not just that because not everybody can be there. So we really have to reach out for the people who can, can't be there and bring what ITG has to offer to the, the places in the world that could not access it otherwise, right? We're, we're, we are the leading world trumpet organization there is, and our mission is to bring what we do to the places that can't have access to it. And we are learning how to do this. It takes time. It takes some uh, financial power, some needs, but the board is working very hard towards those things. And now, so we're now we're having the in-person conference. We have an app that allows us to have all the events that happen at the conference recorded and then uh, on the app for a couple of months after the conference. So people can access that beyond just there. So when you're at a conference, you, you can't see everything. There's too much going on, right? So people who come there, they have the access to everything so they can actually eventually look at everything. But we also offer everything that we provided abroad. So that it, it's, it's a work in progress. And I mean, we're always open to help people who, who have the knowledge, the, the, the passion, the energy that they want to volunteer and help come help us there. We like, we open them, <laughs> welcome them with open arms, right? So we're there. So like we're, we're trying, but I think like the main thing we're really trying to like expose is trying to be able to reconnect the trumpet world uh, as one big family and realize it doesn't matter because if, if it happens here in the U.S. or somewhere else or if a session is in English or in a different language, that we all learn, need to learn from it and need to have open uh, openness to what's, what's to be offered. And really, I mean, understand that so much repertoire that we don't even know, right? It's like, the vir that's, to me, that was what the virtual was having so many performances from different parts of the world of music that I had never heard of, right? We had like someone from India who like really came in and did a great concert. And now, so we're trying to bring him now to like a live conference so people can be exposed in person. So we have all the things that we, we weren't thinking before or we wanted to think about, but we didn't know how. And now we created those connections around and it's being incredible. Now the technology moves so fast and I feel a, a little bit like a dinosaur when I try to look at it. Right. I look at my kids, they all know everything about technology and I don't know squat about it. And I'm trying there. So like the help of people coming in, uh, younger, more experienced people within the, the technology world has been very key factor in helping us move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, that's the truth with everything, you know, is that uh, we are, uh, our societies driven by technology uh, and we have to learn to embrace it. But, you know, I, I try to stay on top of it as much as I can, but I'm way behind so many of, of the younger people. And because, I mean, th these are, hey, I grew up at a time when uh, there, were, there were three channels on the television and, uh, you know, there, there was AM and FM radio and that was it. So now it's a, it's a completely different world and we have to figure out how to embrace that and, and integrate that. Uh, into what we do, and especially in things like conferences, um, you know, I, I was involved for for many years in 
in running and organizing conferences uh, in the, the martial arts. And um, a lot of them fell off because they failed to evolve. It was just always, this is the way we've done it and this is the way we always do it. Uh, whether it be marketing or subject matter or, you know, just programming, things like that, they, they just didn't evolve. And, and it it seems like, um, you know, what I've been picking up from you over the past few years is that you are actively trying to help this organization to evolve and to, to you know, keep the parts that work, the things that are that are absolutely critical to the mission of ITG, but also how can we make this more accessible to more people? And I think that's where the technology comes in. And and uh, so, you know, just I'll, I'll throw a plug out there for you guys. You know, if, if you are a, a young tech savvy person and uh, you, you want to uh, support ITG and, and help it to move forward, reach out, reach out to these guys uh, because uh, that's what we want, you know, as, as a trumpet player, that's what I want. I want to have more access to information. I, I love it. I can't get enough of it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and we're the same, same way, and I agree. And it's like, I think one of the things I've been grateful for is the, the way the organization works with the board of directors, like with this content, constant like regeneration of things, like changing, like every two, three years, new, new like people coming in, people changing. It's like, so like there's constantly new ideas coming in. And like everybody comes in with great ideas, great, great concepts, support, and we're trying to push. And one, one of the big things that came this year from all this is like the new, the revised competitions that we're having, right? Bringing more people with a new, uh, an, an extra live round before it was just the finals. Now we have semifinals. We added a new chamber music competition, new prizes that came out from the donors following like Ryan Anthony's uh, passing so like the Ryan Anthony Foundation took over like the, our competitions like started like donating money to the, be able to make make more uh, exciting more rewarding for students participating <clears throat> and this constant need to like progress I mean I think this is where like ITG is being great it's like it's been such a long like lived organization right this year is going to be like year 47 for the conferences and there's been a lot of changes there's been a lot of new concepts, new uh, ideas in the conferences. And I think I still have a few years left in me to bring new ideas, but like at some point, the things will be la laid in a su such a way that whoever comes in and replace me once I leave will be the next the next 10, 15 years of like concepts of like ideas. And I'll be excited to go to that because I see it's like, right, we there's only so much we can share. Eventually we need some new, new ideas, new energy to come in and sh change things to like, bring the future. And I always like to reference when I look at that, for example, like Pacho Flores, right? We've all thought our whole life trumpets were gonna be three valve, like three valve instruments. Then he comes in with his new concept in order to be able to perform the repertoire that he likes. And he he had instruments created to in order to achieve what he wanted. So now we have a whole new path of abilities that we, we never thought we were gonna have. And there's so much going on, so much being designed, built, things like around there that we never 
can stay on top of things. So I think the, the more people get involved, the more ideas comes in. So like right now we have a call for proposals for the conference next year, which is live on our conference, right? So we have another month for people can submit proposals. So like this is the time. If people have new ideas they want to share, send a proposal in, right? The more proposals we get, the more the more difficult you make to us to select our presenters, the better it becomes because we, we really have something exciting, something diverse that we can offer versus always like the same ideas, right? Like uh, we, we want this, we want those new ideas. We want uh, people from anywhere in the world, it's like different backgrounds, different experiences. So we can really start shaping the conference in like the most exciting, uh, international, diverse per, like event that we can have. So, and be able to help other organizations too, to want to like look at what we do and say like, holy cow, ITG is awesome. What can we do to make it ours like the same like there, right? So the same way we're learning from the other organizations. So I think it's it's so super exciting. Uh, that's where I get that's where I get excited. And my energy start going when I start thinking about things like this. And when you start getting me like thinking about possibilities, then my mind just turn on like it's like driving a Ferrari, right? <laughs> I go there, it's like my mind just goes like boom, 200 miles an hour. And it's like, there we go, what can I do? And if you look at ask people in Trombamundi, they're gonna say, well, there you go, JC has a new idea. What her, what's what's coming up next, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, well, speaking of which, okay. So, um, you know, a lot of times we limit ourselves uh, in terms of our vision because, you know, we, we think about, we start thinking too soon about what it might take to have something happen. You know, so, you know, we we limit ourselves based on, on our experiences and the resources we have at this moment. but if you're dreaming and, and you're dreaming big and there, there are unlimited resources or unlimited possibilities, what would be the one thing that you would love to see happen in the world of uh, either IT or just the, the trumpet community in general? What would be that one thing that's like, man, if this could happen, I'd be set. I'd be, I would be great. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, <laughs> To me, I think like the being able to connect every part of the world into one area. So like I think like through the I mean the virtual weekend, but be able to reach out to everybody, like remove the language barrier. Right? Because no matter I mean music music is a universal language, yes. Of course it is. And when we perform things like this, but when we start sharing information, the ability to learn from everybody instantly and have everybody in one place and being able Kind of like the the UN kind of conferencing, right? You have there that that type of thing where everybody is there, all the ideas come into one place, without having the like the time space limitations that we encounter uh, for a small organization. Because the reality is, I mean, like like so an organization like ITG, any any musical organization, we're nonprofit, we are limited by our resources to be able to really reach out sort of things. So I think like remove the financial aspect make everything affordable and remove the the international walls in order to bring everybody together and being able to just experience things no matter what it is with everybody. I think the passion I've seen in musicians around the world every time I've traveled, if we could have everybody in one place and like, I mean, yeah, we're talking hundreds of thousands of trumpet players. Can you imagine having like an opening fanfare with like 100,000 trumpet players? Man. Uh, I don't know what I would do, and like I might not want to be like right in front of it, but I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, well, uh, tuning might be a, an issue, but yeah. yeah. 
well, you know, and you mentioned uh, you mentioned Pancho Fu uh, Flores uh, just uh, a few minutes ago, uh, and you just did a, a, a performance with uh, with Pancho and and a few other people. Um, what was what was that like? Uh, it's a lifetime experience, right? It's like I mean, I've got over the years, I've got lucky to share the stage with some like really really great musicians. Some of them were my former teachers, some of them were friends. And every time it's been something new that I've taken away with, like from. Uh, as of with people today, and I'm sharing this stage with Pacho, there's, to me, there's something in, in his sound, in his personality, that he, that comes from inside. It's like, it's like you, you, everybody's trying to always become better, become, uh, more oh man that's that's a hard one to like there but they're just when i listen to him if i close my eyes it's like he's reach what i always imagine a sound to be with the passion that comes out of that that bell right it's like the, what he's able to express in his musicianship is just out of his, uh, this world i mean it's like i, I looked over the years for maurice or anything like this it's the involvement. I mean, you have that, you have Hardenberger, like, I mean, you have all those incredible soils, and now, now we have Pacho Flores, right? To me, that's where, that's where I place him. It's like, I'm looking at him, I'm hearing him play, like, experiencing both in person, and it's, it's the pinnacle of uh, mind, love, passion, work, ethic, everything in one place combined he's achieved like to me it's like he's actually what i'm hoping someday i'll be able to get to uh if i can like even get like half 50 percent of what he's being able to achieve right i'll be like i'll be in heaven <laughs> honestly but it's like I'll, when i look at him when i, I see him more because I, i've had experience to just be able to spend time with him outside the performance into and the level of professionalism that he brings into his lifestyle everything that he does from like health to mindset to preparation, to understanding, to knowledge, to connections that he, he puts all in one place, it's mind-blowing. It's really there. It's like then you you understand really why he's the way he is and what he's able to achieve, what he does, because it's a it's a lifestyle. It's not just like I learned how to play the trumpet well and I'm doing it. It's, it's truly a full lifestyle about everything he does, everything he understands, how he's trying to share things. It's not about just, I'm just going to play trumpet. Right, and, and that's what's to me has been such an impressive experience. But playing with him, like playing on the stage, is like you you can do whatever you want. That thing, there's no limitations in, as far as what you can try to do when you're sharing a uh, musical moment with him. So, yeah, well, like you know, whether whether it's with him or or you know, working with uh, with Tromba, um, you know, when you're in that situation where um, yeah, the, the whole idea, like the rising tide raises all ships. You know, when you're on the stage with talented people, uh, if you have the right mindset, then that should up your game. Uh, you know, sometimes we get in our heads where we, you know, we either become, we try to be compete with someone, which is going to, you know, throw you off your game, or you become intimidated, which is also going to throw you off your game. But if we look at the the synergistic nature of playing in an ensemble and playing with uh, very talented people, uh, I know for me, I, I love being the I love being the least talented person in my 
any organization I work with because then that inspires me to always work harder. Um, but uh, you know, being around someone that that is so transcendent like like him, um, I mean, I could only imagine what it, you know, like the energy that that is exchanged on stage and, and through the music. So uh, that that's really great. And I mean, and, and I think also it's important for us to remember that, well, yes, you, you have people like him and like you're saying, like, like hook on and, you know, Sergey and, you know, in the older days, Maurice and, and Bud and all those great names that we know, those were inspiring. They've been inspiring to all of us as, as trumpet players, but just because you're not at that level, doesn't mean that you can't be an inspiration to somebody else because there's all there's somebody that's uh, you're you're already further along in the path than they are and so you know we can be inspirations to them so you know who are some of the other uh, the people that have inspired you uh, as a player and and how are you taking like those lessons and using it to be the inspiration for for the next generation well yeah that, that's that's a great question i think like what if you Speaking back quickly on what you just said, it's like, yeah, I mean, competing, to me, competition is like, is the beginning of the downfall as a musician. We compete against ourselves, not against other people, right? We we need to be inspired by people around us, which is, yeah, that's that's what's, uh, that what's, that's a key thing. And surrounding ourselves with better people makes us better people. And I think to me, it's like, I sit on, in the administration and playing, it's like the people that work with me have helped me like get better because they are great, right? And they inspire me to do to want to do better and try to reach their level and like be like so it's it's a team effort across. As far as inspiration personally, it's it's a multi like level to me. So the people who truly inspire me uh, have been in a lot of ways. I think my students, my students really come in and constantly push me to be better and want to try better, understand things, do things. So I think that they have a big place in who really defines me in my career uh my kids i think they're to me they're the one who like inspire me to want to reach some better better places better heights like there uh my personal experience there but like from a, a musical standpoint i think everybody i've shared the stage with in certain some ways but like my teachers have been uh fundamental in throughout my past right from like jean-francois michel to like Lito Vron to Rico Biem to Dave Hickman, uh, you, you name them, I mean, Sam Pelafian, like when I was at ASU, right? So we've all had those musicians that have come across in our lives that that either shook, shook us a little bit, right? Put us in our place a little bit, uh, brought some new ideas, inspired us. And really, I think the combination of all this have molded who I am. I think my like entrepreneurial mindset comes from Dave Hickman. I think from that standpoint, right? So like my uh, Eric Eric Obi's like teaching to me has shaped me who I am today. Really, like he took me in a place where I was very in a dark place mind mindset because I had a lot of emotional setting problems I had, and I always look at back at him like he cannot save me, right? Like he he took me under his wing when I think a lot of teachers would have said no, I'm, we're not going to take that because there's no there's no chance that we're going to be able to help him out. And he took me in from the first moment. He says, like, I know exactly what to do. And I trusted him. I went, I gave him hundred percent of what there, what I believed in. And I, I never doubted him and went all in. 
and he shifted me completely. And really, I think where I am today started with him. It was like people before that were great and like they, they, they taught me the fundamentals, but he was the turning point to molding what my career was going to be. So I'm from here. Then uh, I had some lessons with like time, like with Wolfgang Bauer in Germany, then came to the US and Hickman really pushed me there. And then after that, it was just, okay, the experiences I've done through the travels and the people I've played with, I mean, from sharing the stage with Vizudi into like, I mean, like Pacho, you like name it, right? It's like, you've had all those people you play with that really have, have joined those experiences with uh, an open heart every single time and being able to welcome what they were doing and try to figure out how they were doing it and then apply that in my playing. So I think there's inspiration to me. It's, a, it's on a daily basis. We always need to do better. And we've all had hard times. We've all, all made mistakes in our lives. And I think understanding those, accepting those, welcoming those, and like learning from them makes us better players. And to me, I think that's where, where I am today. So I'm grateful pretty much anybody that's coming across in my life has brought something to me even during my hard time. So I think like I don't look back at any, and have grudges to, like, to any, anybody or anything. Even when I think that, like, well, I could have saved some years of like hassle in my play if I didn't, had not gone through this. I think it shaped me for the best. And now I'm, I'm just happy. I'm just like enjoying every day and like enjoying sharing music with my friends. Well, that's a great life. You know, it is absolutely a great life. All right. Well, JC, uh, we've got a few uh, standard segments we need to get through before uh, we can wrap up our time together. Um, and the first one is our newest segment, and it's brought to us by uh, Mr. Brian Davis of Airflow Music, and it's uh, Go Practice. <laughs> I like it. And, and so uh, Go Practice is just about your your practice concepts. And, and uh, what I'd like to ask you about is, uh, about the efficiency of practice. And, and this is a big topic uh, for so many of us. Uh, you know, obviously when, when you're a music major, um, you're, you know, you, you've, got, you've got to be able to carve out that time to practice. That's a heavy practice time. But as we become a little older, uh, you know, when you're a professional and you're, you have a touring schedule to work with, uh, you have your other work in, engagements, and then someone like me who's not a, a full-time player, you know, and you're, and you're trying to juggle all those different balls in your life. Um, sometimes you have to figure out how to make your practice efficient so that you can get the best bang for your buck when, with the time that you have. So when it comes to your approach to practice or, or the advice that you would give to, to a student for practice, uh, how would you suggest structuring your practice so that it is the most efficient uh, so that you get the best results? I think that's Everybody's different. Everybody's going to have a different way of like running things. But the, I think the, the most important part of all this, no matter who we are, is to be extremely organized, right? If you walk into a, if you're starting your day and you don't know what you want to achieve, then nothing is going to be focused because you're going to try to throw everything you can in whatever given time you have there. So like, I like to think about my practice on the on a daily, on a weekly, and on a monthly basis, what, what do I need to achieve during that time in order to be able to learn everything I need to, or the skills I need to, or what, what I want to improve, or what, what kind of like bad habit did I form that I need to like work on to fix, right? So to me, some sort of like individual type notebook that works for us, right? So like we can create a notebook or like a practice uh, 
practice routine kind of like guidelines for people to follow. But if if it's not something that we create for ourselves, it's hard to to follow it because we don't we might not believe in or it might not work our, with our lifestyle. So it's to me, I like to think like if first day of the week is to lay out the whole week, what do I need to do? Okay, look at my schedule for the week, include from everything from like uh, planning the conference to teaching to my kids, uh, spending time with them to the kids like, ex- like external like events that I have like sports, dancing, like this, right? So I try to map out my whole schedule for the week with everything I have. Then I look at, okay, what time do I have every day in order to be able to achieve what I need to, right? Which work, that's a very important factor for people who are like non-pro and comeback players, right? You think about it, you look at, yeah, you have a full-time job. What do you do? I mean, but maybe by the time you end up the job, you're exhausted. You don't have the mindset in order to be able to like achieve the best. So for me, I, I like to think of a little bit the same way, but some days start at 7 a.m., some days when I have to wake up, my kids start at 5.30 a.m., right? So then some days end up at 10, some days end up at midnight. So how do I achieve my days? But to me, it's to have a very specific plan ahead of time. I don't roll by the days like, oh, well, oh, I'm free now. Now I'm going to practice because then I don't know what I'm I need, supposed to achieve. I'm going to be planning that ahead of time. So by the time I walk in there, it's going to be there. Now, my fundamentals, my, my original practice is like sacred to me. So like my morning, I do that as early as I can in the morning, depending on when I need to wake up. So my first hour and a half to two hours, nobody's going to get in the way of that no matter what, right? Even if it's broken down, it's different things if I have to drive, but that's my time. So by the time I get to my teaching, I've achieved what was important to me for, for my playing. If I start my day and the first thing I do is like warming up with the student like there, then my day is like, it's not starting, with, it's not starting well because I'm not going to be able to achieve everything I need to. And then I build throughout the day with whatever time I have, but it's always understanding what our needs are, right? Having a clear idea. It's like, are we working? How's our flexibility? How's our like range? How's like articulation? So we, we need to know when we're breaking things uh, on a daily basis, what we can achieve. Now, if you think about it over a course of seven days, it's a lot less overwhelming than if you think thinking like, oh, today I have to do everything. Because sometimes we don't have the time, right? Sometimes we try, we, no matter how good we are, we are, we don't always have the time to achieve everything every day. So we need to make sure over a course of seven days, we've touched everything we need to do consistently and build uh, habits. I think that's what I see a lot with like, Students in college right now, there's so much going on. There's so much they want to do that they practice whenever they can, but they don't create habits, right? So one day they want to do something, then the next day they're going to do something totally different, or they keep changing. They don't trust the process. And the thing that's important to me with practice separation, complete separation from technology. If I'm practicing and my phone is there and I, I think about the text emails, I have to answer while I'm doing this, I am not focused. Right. I need to separate myself and let pe- the people who need to talk to me can't wait 45 minutes for to get an answer. That time in there is sacred. When I'm home and my kids are running around, they know if I'm practicing, they don't bother me. Right. They might be running around things like this, but they know it's like, yeah, we need to keep his like personal space in there because he know he needs that time. And I think we can train people around us to like understand this. Very often I hear people like parents, it's like, well, I can practice because I have kids. I was like, well, I have four kids and I still practice. I think if you want it, if it's if it's important to you, you will find a way to make it happen. It might it might create require some sacrifices from what you want to do outside of playing. But if we truly believe and want to do it, we'll do it. But you're right. I mean, practicing is is something for everybody. 
what I hear often nowadays is like, well, I'm bored. If I do that or if I do that too much, I get bored. I was like, well, if you're bored, that means you're not engaged enough in order to figure out what are you trying to achieve with a specific exercise. If you do Clark 2 every day for like a month and you get bored, you're not paying attention. There's so much going on, right? From tone, tone production, tone color, connection in between your notes, like air, like air compression. I mean, like we're, there's so many facts that we can talk about, right? You can have whatever words you want to use, but to me, it, it all comes down to planning ahead what you need to achieve. And the more, the busier your life is, the more planning you need to, because that's really where you become efficient. And you're right. I mean, without efficiency, we can't do do anything. And the older we get, the less time we have, right? Students believe, oh, I have, we're so busy, we don't have time. It's like, yeah, no, you do. You have time to play, play four or five hours a day. Once you have a job, multiple jobs, family and everything, where your time becomes a lot less. You might end up practicing like from 11 to 1 a.m. at night, right? Because that might be the only time you have. And sometimes that's not, it's not always fun. But you know what? If that's the time we got, that's, that's when we do it. And I think that's, Allowing flexibility, <laughs> I think that's where, that's a key word to me, like life flexibility comes into what we do. Yeah, yeah. And I love what you said about about sacred, you know, that the, the, your practice time needs to be sacred. And, uh, you know, and also I'm a big, big believer in in, uh, in block time and, and doing things like that and having clarity on your objectives. So, you know, I think a lot of times uh, we just think about, the volume of practice you know we think that if we if we practice you know if i'm in the practice room for four hours a day or six hours a day then I, that's how i'm going to be great well what are you actually doing during those four or six hours is it you know if that's if, right it's not it's not that amount of time you you spend practicing it's how you practice during the time you have and right. sometimes you can achieve a lot a lot more in an hour and a half that you can in six hours if you're not focused yeah, absolutely so i love it love it good stuff all right, let's move on to our next segment. Next segment is uh, brought to us by uh, Michael Barkley, Barkley Microphones. It's called Sound Off. And uh, this is about uh, your approach to trumpet sound. So uh, what, what, what's uh, JC's favorite tip about uh, developing a, a, a wonderful, beautiful, versatile trumpet sound? Listen. Listen to a lot of players. Not just trumpet listen to a lot of musicians all around and try to f teach ourselves what what sound is what colors are you after i think molding colors is key it's like trying it's to me it's like it's like a painting of monet right you have all those colors going on in there and you have to be able to understand how to achieve them and we all have our standard favorite trumpet players Sometimes what I see with my students, like they focus on one area of like music only. Some people will only listen to classical. Some people will only listen to jazz, but they, and they don't, they're not willing to listen across. And I think trumpet sound, it's, it's a life experience. It's all our experiences we've gone through life from like young age, everything we've listened to. Uh, and we start putting all, all that into one thing until we've, we define who we want to be. If we don't know who we are, we can't have a, our own trumpet sound. We don't want to copy somebody else just because we have to, because then, I mean, we don't need like 17 Maurice Andre, right? We had one and he was the best, right? That's great. We're going to try to like achieve some of those same ideas, but we need, we still need to find who we are in order to have our sound. And I don't define sound with instrument or instrument brand. I think the sound comes in, starts in our heart 
than in our minds. And what we hear, how do we express? And we can achieve that no matter what's in our hands. So I think that's that's what's key. And I think great instrument makers have allowed us the flexibility to be able to utilize those to achieve certain goals that we want. And we've all had our preferences, but it really comes down to the end is what are we hearing inside our head? It's we can't produce something we can't hear. And I think that's one of the challenges we see a lot nowadays. People have their ears not developed enough yet to be able to understand how to produce what they want to, even if they might be able to hear. But I think that's the key key factor. And that's a life lifetime uh, work. I mean, I think I, I'm getting better to like, I'm getting to the point where I'm happy. But there's still so much more I want to achieve and define and find, discover, right? So I think, it's, I don't think I'll be happy completely until probably the day I put the trumpet down uh, when I'm ready to like go to the next life. <laughs> yeah, I hear you on that. All right, awesome. Well, we, uh, let's let's move on to this this uh, next segment, which you already started to to touch on a little bit, but we're going to dive into it. Uh, this is geared up, and this is a discussion about gear. Uh, it's brought to us by Venture Mouthpieces Venture, where technology, design, and craftsmanship intersect. Use the code TrumpetGurus21 to get ten percent off your order. Uh, so, as you said, you know, sound is innately from you, or should that you know that's where it comes from. And the the instrument, the the horn, the mouthpiece, uh, things like that, uh, should just be a way of of amplifying that. But there are certainly uh, things that that we have to consider in terms of of our gear. And as a as an educator, someone who's working with with students who are really at that point where they're they're starting to develop into their own individuals, um, what kind of uh, advice do you give in terms of finding the <laughs> that is going to make your job easier. Right. Yeah, well, this, I think, is kind of everybody's, like, process in order to find it. I think that with students, what people are learning through your career, the, the first important rule is you got to try. You got to try as many things as you can. You got to go experience yourself with, like, all the brands because uh, when I was younger, I remember my teacher said, like, well, this is what you have to play, right? This is the one brand. This is the one model you have to play. And that's what everybody's going to play. To me, it's like one of the challenges you hear now, for example, like uh, when you think about uh, in the drum core world, right? They make them all play one brand, one model, one mouthpiece size. I think that's forgetting about people's morphologies, like bodies, like things like this. It's, it's one mind which doesn't reapply because that's not how you achieve one sound. Now, if you like, if you beat it up out of people for long enough, yeah, you, you get there, but that's not working with people's natural abilities, right? It's like you look at the lead player; they will have different like type size mouthpiece to be able to play like lead, no matter what it is. Orchestra players, I mean, like look from Bud, but hair set to like different people playing different equipments. Like it's the people say like you play big size equipment, you're gonna be able to play louder. I've heard people who play pretty damn loud with like smaller equipment. So I think, again, I think the concept is we need to forget about a specific guideline about what is for what. And we can uh, utilize, like to me, the equipment is, like you said, is the, is the extension is the, of what we do, is the amplification of what we do. Now, we've all, we're all going to find instruments that work better for us, that's going to help us feel comfortable, that's going to help achieve what we need to. And I think that's what the key, but without experience first, we can't we can't tell what that is, no matter what our teacher says, right? 
I can tell you right now, you're going to play this brand, this model, you're going to sound great. Okay. But is that the sound you want? But if you haven't never tried anything else, how are you going to know what you want? Right? And I think this, and this is why I like conferences. Like from small events, local events, or regional events, or big international conferences, you come in and you have all the brands there. And I tell my students, I like, go try everything. You know what I play. You've tried it. You know what people around me play. You've tried them. Now go play something you've never tried. Because as an educator, if you end up in like middle school or high school teaching, you're going to have to help those people find something, not only from the quality aspect, from the, but from the price range aspect. You need to know those, that information. From mouthpieces, what works for you? Understand people's face, teeth, lips, right? Everything. How are you going to tell? You can't just tell everybody, oh, you're going to play one and a half C. It's going to work great. That's not, that's not what it is. And nowadays, we have access to those things. And we have such a, a large quantity of incredible like makers all around the world that being close-minded about one thing only to me is a disservice for your, like, the world because everybody's going to find what works for them. But unless you know if you tried it, of being able to expose to it, it's a little, little difficult. But for me, I've been grateful that every brand I've played over the years have always given me uh, something beautiful and incredible, right? Like, I mean, I've played pretty much on all the, all the big brands and I've loved every single one of them. Where I'm landing right now, where I, where I find my, my home now today is just because I felt it fitted me better in order to express what I wanted at this point in my life. I think that's what it is. But like, I wouldn't have found this in my playing if I hadn't gone through all the other like, instruments before in order to lead me to this point in my life. So it's like, again, it's like grateful every company, every relationship I've built over the years and sounds. I listen to some of my recordings from like some of the different brands I've had. Like I love them, <laughs> right? I love listening to that sound. It was some of them were different, some different concepts, but like it really all came down to like where where we are today, which uh, evolves. I like that. Yeah, evolution. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, final segment, JC. Uh, this is uh, brought to us by Robinson's Remedies, Rapid Relief Resort Tire Chops. This is the Robinson's Remedy Rapid Fire Round series of questions that kind of bounce all over the place. Um, just need your quickest response. Sounds good. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. First one. Uh, who's the biggest influence on your life that is not a trumpet player? I would say my oldest son, Gabriel. All right. What's your favorite book? Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. All right. Uh, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? Oh, uh, uh, what is it called? Hmm. I, I can't remember the titles, but there's so many. Uh, 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 oh man, I can't. I can't remember titles. I'm so bad. Uh, I froze here. All right, not a problem. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there, I mean, there's, there's a lot of them. Trust me, but like I just can't remember. Yeah, yeah pretty much. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, if you weren't a trumpet player, what would you want to be? When I was younger, I wanted to be an architect. All right. What is your favorite drink? Um, natural fruit juices, like mango juice. Mm. Tasty. Uh, only a fresh, fresh juices. Fresh juice, yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, you can have a dinner party, and at this dinner party, uh, you can invite any three living people, any three people in the world. Who would you want to have there? Uh, that, that's good. One of them would be, um, 
a life coach I've been following for a while now. His name is Brian Buffini. He's in California. It's he does a lot of life coaching, career coaching, like thing. His podcast is being like really shaping my lifestyle and what I believe. So I think that that would be one of them. Uh, I think within trumpet players, I've got lucky enough to be able to share to meet everyone I wanted so far, and that's not true. I think Thomas Stevens. Fuller going to shop at work. That's someone I've, I didn't get a chance to meet in person. I would have loved to be able to sit down and talk talk with him. And then I would say Messi because I'm a big soccer fan. <laughs> All right. Good, some good conversation there. All right. Um, we have three additional chairs at your table, and those are for any three people from history. So any three people that are no longer with us, who would you want to have? Hmm. Within the trumpet world or any? Anybody. Uh, Mandala. Uh, huh. I would say... Believe, like soccer again, and then, oof, so many choices. So yeah, well yeah, that that's so hard to to only have to be able to have three in like dark. Um, Steve Jobs. Oh, okay, there you go. Uh, good party. Uh, lacquer, plated, or raw? To me, plated. Okay. What's your favorite quote? Um, there's no failures in life. There's only lessons. Okay. What's your greatest fear? Hmm. Uh, not having my kids in my life. Uh, you could be granted one superpower. What would it be? Travel the world like instantly, being able to be, be transported any place, any time. That would be very handy. <laughs> uh, what aspect of trumpet playing do you find to be the most overrated? uh screaming high range all right and what aspect do you think is the most underrated uh, soft and low playing all right uh you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice about music what would it be Um, enjoy the ride. All right. And while you're back there, you're going to give your younger self one piece of advice about life. Uh, believe in yourself and don't let external uh, energies try to drive uh, where you're going. 
All right. Final question for you, JC. What do you want your legacy to be? Kindness. I think when people remember is like the connection, family, happiness, kindness, and I can the people that run around me. That I think that's probably the most important part in my life. Well, awesome. Well, I certainly, for one, appreciate everything that, that you've been doing uh, for the Trumpet community uh, from both the, the standpoint of, of what you're doing at Westchester uh, and also the, the work that you've been doing uh, with ITG. Uh, you've certainly been making a, a lot of impact and uh, you have directly impacted my life. So I, I do certainly thank you for that. So I appreciate your contribution. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's like always, always fun to be able to share yeah. things with like friends. So like, I appreciate that. Looking forward to seeing you again soon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I uh, might have to make a trip out to Westchester soon just so I can uh, go to Iron Hill. So <laughs> we'll have, we'll have a, a beverage together. Uh, you can get a fruit juice and, and I'll find something else. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Trumpet Gurus Hang. And uh, as always, uh, like, subscribe, share with uh, friends, other trumpet players. You, you can even share it with a violin player, I don't care. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, we wanna keep this thing going. And if you have suggestions for other uh, guests or topics, please let me know, cause uh, you know, this is the show is for you. So until next time, folks, peace and slide grease. We out. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for hanging with us today. This podcast is all about creating deeper connections through our mutual love of music and the trumpet life. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and also like and share this episode with a friend. We want to see the hang grow for show. Please support our sponsors and consider becoming a personal supporter of this podcast as well. Remember, for less than the price of a bottle of valve oil a month, you can keep this podcast moving smoothly. The Trumpet Guru's Hang is recorded at the Candy Factory, a co-working space and social club located in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Jose Johnson is the executive producer. Post-production editing is by Mitch Bowers. Our opening theme song was composed and performed by Lexi Signor. And our closing theme music comes courtesy of The Greatest Funeral Ever. Incidental music is by Ethan Swayze and Jose Johnson. Graphic design by Ann Kirby of The Sweet Corps. The Trumpet Gurus Hang podcast is produced in collaboration with the So Good Lancaster Media Group.